What's going on, folks? You are now listening to the Shoot or Pass podcast. On behalf of Baseline Times, I am one of your co-hosts here, Chevy. Joining me today are the familiar voices you hear all the time, Robbie, Gabe. What's going on, fam? How y'all doing today? We in I'm here. doing good. We in here. Fantastic. Good to hear. Good to hear you guys are alive here. Uh, this is a very special episode because today we have a guest joining us here. He is a host of the Sixers Talk podcast from NBC Sports Philadelphia, Mr. Ben Barry. What's up, man? How you doing? Yo, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm going to come with a little bit more energy. Glad to be here. Crack some jokes. Have a good time. And excited to hear about Magic City. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we have a good story to hear. Yeah, you came on a great time here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, first and foremost, you know, go go ahead and give yourself a little introduction here, man, and tell us what you got going on at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Woo! Uh, as you said, hosts of the Sixers Talk podcast for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Just working. It's the off season, so right now everybody's like searching for stories as no one knows what's going on with the NBA. But yep. on top of that, I'm the audio content supervisor, so I produce all the podcasts for NBC Sports Philadelphia. So that's booking guests, selecting the content we talk about on the pods, make sure the pay reads and all that fun stuff is done. I'm boring the listeners that don't know anything about that. <laughs> Some long form uh, pods we've done. Think uh, ESPN 30 for 30, but on a podcast, we did one on a five overtime game with the Flyers that was released in June. I'm working on one about this Eagles Super Bowl run or a play they ran in the Super Bowl Ooh. years ago, the Philly Special. Okay. So yes. I was able to track down uh, the head coach at Clemson. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. Um, the yeah. head coach, the coach that made it in high school. We got Doug Peterson, Nick Foles, uh, a lot of people from high school, college, and the pros that ran the play. Just the backstory. So I'm doing a little bit of everything there. Uh been in this business about 15 years now made enough money to live off of it for eight where, where i'm at now is at sirius xm for four years before that espn for three uh but i'm back home in philly trying to do big things like you guys that's what's up where can the people find you at oh social media is it's like aol letter i as an indigo m as in mary then ben barry completely like aol like a, a child professionals do something more than that but I am Ben Barry. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. I feel like I'm too old for Snapchat and TikTok and all that. OnlyFans. Throw your OnlyFans in there, Ben Barry. I mean, wow. <laughs> Market for me for that? If you know, let me know. I will get that popping now. Listen. From what I hear, there might be. I heard you were into CrossFit, that your CrossFit box just wrote an article about you with some topless photos of you oh, on the internet i'm just saying there oh, might be a market out there for you your bosses think, might not like it but philadelphia think, might like it there's plenty of pictures of me working out with shirt off and things like that and i used to do some wild stuff in college and hmm. there's a lot of pictures out there i'm not sure if anyone paid for them though <laughs> you know, i'd be getting my workout in and one day maybe i look better than the rocker or michael b jordan or whatnot i don't I don't know if I'm gonna be honest if I say that right now. It's gonna be a flat lie. Oh man, that, that's that's good. Good to hear, Ben. I mean, you know, you, you do you do quite a lot there, and you keep it simple. I am Ben Barry. Check him out on Twitter. Can they find you on Instagram as well? Twitter, Instagram, but keep it simple. Yep, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> okay, that's what's up, man. All right, there we go. Ben Barry on the show here. Uh, 
Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we got a whole action-packed show today. We, we're going to do some things you've never done before on this show. So welcome again, Ben. Uh, first, we we're going to bother you about the Sixers. So we have a special uh, segment called NEMA, uh, which is also known as NBA Emergency Management System that we created here. Uh, it's a segment where we, we want to try to fix up the Sixers. Uh, we also will talk about uh, the NBA team soundtrack. So as promised, we've selected three new teams. So if you're a fan of the Pistons, Pelicans, and Sixers, stick around for that. See what songs we associate your season with here. And we'll bring back the all-NBA team segment. This segment is going to feature the biggest finessers. Stick around for that and find out who are the uh, biggest finessers here. And... At the bottom of the show, we have an interesting, fun topic. Uh, we're going to discuss our top five TV shows. From what I hear, there's a little beef between Robbie and Gabe. So I'm excited for that one. Mm -hmm. um, but first, I actually want to hear about Robbie. How was your weekend? You know, shout out to Audio Man. Happy birthday, by the way. Uh, happy belated. Um, HBD. How was your weekend? Oh, Ben, Audio, Audio Man's my boyfriend. He doesn't like his identity to be out in the public, so we've heard, we refer to him as Audio Man because he's the one that produces like all the beats and segment intros for the show. Uh, my weekend was fantastic. I flew down to the ATL, um, and yo, are you guys ready for the wildest story involving Magic City ever? Let's, let's hear it. Are, are you ready? Please tell us what's going on at Magic City. I did not go to Magic City. <laughs> what? Wow. No, 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 no. Wow. What the hell? I know I'm the guest. I feel lied to. Hoodwink, <laughs> baby. Look at someone this. Overpromised. Let me explain. Let me explain. All right. All right. There's got to be a good story. So, we. We got to Atlanta and we met up with our friends and we were like, all right, we're going to go out, but we're going to, you know, scope out the places and make sure that like, we're not putting ourselves at risk here because I need to move across the country on Sunday and I need to be healthy for that. I don't need COVID right now. This is a very bad time for it. So we went to like a restaurant and it was pretty packed. And I was like, all right, this is reaching my threshold here. <laughs> like, I don't know if I, you know, want to be in an enclosed space with a ton of people. We had dinner. We went to the Claremont Lounge. Shout out to the Claremont Lounge. Uh, if y'all know about the Claremont Lounge in Atlanta, it's like the oldest dive bar and strip club. So, you know, I still got some breasts and thighs mm. from the Claremont Lounge. It's just kind of mm. like the old raggedy one. And then we were like, all right. Next day, we're like, all right, we're going to go to Magic City. I fucking bought an outfit because I don't own any going out outfits anymore. And then we were, I, I think we, I saw like a vid, I kept seeing videos of people, recent videos of people posting from Magic City and like it was packed. Nobody was wearing masks. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to do that. I don't really know if I want to risk myself there. And then... There was a flash flood warning and we wow. were in pouring rain. So wow. we decided to just stay in, order a shit ton of food. You know, we got some, we got some breasts, we got some thighs, we got some mm. wings, we got some dumplings, we got some nudes. And we sat around on the couch and watched Love Island. And it was fucking incredible. Shout out to my girls, Erin and Jules, for hosting a fantastic weekend in the ATL where I really 
displayed myself as a true old lady. I, guys, I'm sorry. I'm old too. <laughs> let, me, let, me just, let me just say, yeah, right, up on you. I, I won't put your age yeah. on the podcast, but what you just described is what I would do. And I'm way older than you, so what's going on, man? Like, that's ridiculous. I think you guys are rubbing off on me, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was a very similar weekend for myself as well. Just kind of, kind of sitting around, so. Yeah. I feel like a kid being told he's going to <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> and an hour later, he at grandma's house. There's no magic. Yo! Ben. Yeah, Robbie. Yeah. Ben. Yeah. Ben. You always that one. Chevy. Gabe. Shit happens, okay? And you know what? Mm. I'm proud of myself because I put my health <laughs> and the health of others first. Okay? Oh, my. What about the content for this pod? What about my hopes and Am dreams? Am I fired? Are you guys us? firing me? Are you guys going to replace me with Ben Barry now? <laughs> y'all, listen. If y'all haven't watched Love Island, you wouldn't understand. I didn't really miss out. Love Island gave me everything I needed and more in a safe way. <laughs> I even got Audio Man into it. There was, I've never even heard of this. I don't, no, I don't think I'll ever watch Love Island. Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> wow. Don't knock it till you try it. I had Audio Man sitting on the couch right next to me. He poured himself some wine. Audio Man drinking wine is an anomaly. Okay. okay. I'm pretty sure at one point he's holding the glass of wine. He has like his little pinky out and he turns to me and he That's starts possible. talking about some characters on the show. And I was like, wow, I got him in. I got him hooked. And now he watches it. So don't knock it till you try it. Love Island gave me everything the Magic City could have given me. Except mm. it was like a lot more white people and they were all English. Mm. But I still got chicken wings and they were delicious. Some chicken wings. This is an important message from the NBA Emergency Management Assistance. All right, ladies and gentlemen and fellow citizens of Philadelphia, we declare a state of emergency for the 76ers, and we have none other than Mr. Ben Barry here to assist with the plan to address this matter as best as possible. In our new segment here, as known as NEMA, a.k.a. NBA Emergency Management Assistance. Mr. Barry, talk to us, man. Let's talk about the Sixers here, first and foremost. Obviously, most recently, they've hired Doc Rivers. Uh, that's, that's a road to getting a little bit better here. What's step one to addressing the Sixers' miseries coming off of last season, going into a short and off season, especially here coming up, and hopefully we get basketball another couple months? The first step is... Everyone should have been fired, not just Brett Brown. I don't know how you guys feel about Brett Brown. I don't. I think he's a good dude. He's a solid coach, but he didn't reinvent the wheel. He's nothing amazing. He probably could have got let go last year after they lost to the Raptors in the semis. But Brett was the scapegoat this year. Brett didn't sign Al Horford to that four-year, $109 million contract. Brett didn't send two first-round picks for... Tobias Harris and give him a max contract for a guy that's never made an all-star team or been all NBA anything. So, and Brett had his deficiencies, but Brett didn't make those decisions. Brett didn't surround Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons with a bunch of guys that can't I wonder shoot. who else was saying that the Sixers needed to clean house on this podcast. I mean, hmm. I wonder. Who could that have been? Mm-hmm. I want to give you a So, 
it falls on Elton to me. And I'm not up here saying people should get fired or anything like that. But if you want changes through and through, it should have came down on everybody. So there's a lot of people in that front office that's around still when big tie, big collar guy, Brian Colangelo was there. The one that was, his wife was out there on the burner account tweeting out about players injury like that. There's a lot of people from that front office still there, still with the pace set check. So that's why I think the whole front office should have been fired. Brett Brown wanted Jimmy Butler to stay. The front office decided, no, we don't want Jimmy Butler here. So all that, Jimmy and Brett didn't get along, which they probably didn't, but it wasn't like Brett didn't want Jimmy Butler around. Robbie, I know you're in Miami. I don't know about you guys, um, but Jimmy has something that no one on the Sixers has right now. And that's one thing. That's just want to. I want to be out there. I want to compete. I want to grind. I like Ben. I like Joel Embiid. Neither one of them have it yet. A little similar to the two guys uh, Jimmy Buckets played with in Minnesota. So the first thing I would say is the whole front office should have been fired and they should have figured it out from the scrap then. What do you I mean, I was the one saying that they needed a clean house. Listen, I was out here saying for the owner to sell the team. <laughs> Look, I put it. I put it mostly on Ben Simmons. I mean, dude comes back every year with the same old game. Like, dude, like, you can pay all this money, and you have, and you still got no jumper. Like, what's going on? And then Ben, um, um, Joel Embiid, like, refusing to dominate. If this guy actually wanted to dominate a game, nobody could stop him. Name one player in the league that could stop him. No one. But I just feel like he just coasts, or he hangs around the three-point line, or if he's not getting the ball or touches early, he just kind of fades back. So I just feel like it was both Embiid and Simmons. But yeah, I agree with the whole front office should have been just axed and start fresh. But obviously, you can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think like the whole you know Brett Brown thing is I, I agree with you exactly, Ben. That's the way I feel about Brett. I just didn't think he was going to be the guy to get him to the next level. Also, he's going to be who's going to be the scapegoat regardless. You know, at some point where Philly failed at and fell rock bottom, you got, you're going to put on Brett Brown, and unfortunately. It's what they do. They just put, you know, quickly patch it up by hiring Doc Rivers a few weeks later, right? So I think I agree completely with the whole front end. Um, I mean, the whole Brian Colangelo, you know, that, that, that just has me a little bit wild that he's still employed there, knowing what his wife has done. Uh, you know, Elton Brand said they were gonna, you know, stay with, with their with their guns, just hire a new coach. We're at the new coach now, and I think Doc Rivers. He's a great guy. A lot of people in the league loves him. He is skated by on mediocrity for most of his career. I know we have a Magic fan on the pod, and I don't want to bring up a sore subject in bad time. <laughs> he had Tracy McGrady, who was arguably a top five, no, without a doubt, a top five player in the NBA during that time, and never got out the first round. That's indictment one. Indictment two is, before Boston got the big three, Paul Pierce was going to leave Boston because he didn't like how things were going there. So they got that ring. It wasn't because of his coaching, but because they got KG and Ray Allen. The defense was great there. Shout out to Tom Thibodeau, who was the assistant coach that came up with the defensive schemes and game plans. So that's strike three. I mean, strike two. Strike three and four, if we're going to give them an extra one, is Lob City failure. Then this, this new Clippers team, how that just combusted. Everything that was said about Brett Brown, whether the locker room chemistry, not being able to adjust in series, all that can be said about Doc Rivers. He's lost 
three series when he's had a 3-1 lead. He hasn't kept players accountable. That's what the problem with Lob City. They had strife in the locker room. Part of that is because he signed his son to that big contract and shipped Matt Barnes out of uh, L.A., but the same thing this past year. Everyone respected Kawhi, but they was like, why is Paul George getting special treatment? He's never done anything. And if you look over the past seven years, Doc Rivers' time in L.A. and Brett Brown's time in L.A., Brett Brown has a higher winning percentage in the playoffs. Doc Rivers' championship was a long time ago. It was just a, it was a it was a good hire on paper until you actually look at it and pick it apart. The Sixers had no plan for hiring a coach. They interviewed Doc Rivers, Billy Donovan, Mike D'Antoni, and Ty Lue. Three of those guys were head coaches last year, and somewhat surprising, two of the three were surprising. They didn't come back to their their previous team. Ty Lue was an assistant, so I don't think they had a clear vision for who they were going to who they were going to bring in for interviews. So that's that part. Now moving forward, because you can't ch- you can't fire the front office at this point, and Doc Rivers is the head coach. So what they need to do to fix this, they need to get Al Horford up out the paint and Tobias Harris ASAP. Whether that is trading them for a pack of cigarettes, whether that's telling them the season doesn't start until May, whether that's going on a international trip and leaving them in Denmark or something, <laughs> they got to get those two guys off the team. They have, they're playing, their starting five is two centers, two power forwards, mm-hmm. and a shooting guard that can't shoot. That is highly problematic. Yeah, Josh Richardson ain't safe. Nobody's safe. Your mm-hmm. star players, one scared to shoot because he don't want to look bad. The nice. other one is perpetually out of shape. <laughs> he needs to come to CrossFit with me or something. It is a problem. So, what if they get anyone on the, on the phone willing to to trade for Al Horford, you don't let that person get off the phone. Whether it's Sam Presti, whether it's someone in Sacramento, give, yo, tutor kids, since their kids probably at home with them and making them nuts, offer to send two first round draft picks, offer to clean the house, do whatever you got to do. Get Al Horford up out of there. Tobias Harris, I think is impossible because he's a max player who's not a max player. He has that max contract. But if you get someone that's interested in Tobias, do the same thing. After that, because they don't have a lot of draft capital, they got to be smart. Whether it's getting undrafted free agents, getting people on the cheap that can create their own shot and shoot their own shot. That's what they need right now. But the Sixers, two year, three years ago, had the brightest future, that first playoff run, when it was J.J. Reddick, Sarge, and Covington on the team. Had a bright future, a lot of draft picks, a lot of money to spend the free agency. Two years later, or three years later, they have none of that. And that's all on Elton Brand. That's all on Elton Brand. So they've gone from a top five, a team with top five brightest future to a not too far from the Knicks. They just have two superstars. That's the only difference. Wow, right down now. there with the Knicks, huh? Dang. But again, let me ask you a question. Since you know more about the Sixers than we do, do you think they signed Horford so he couldn't cook Horford, uh, so he couldn't cook and beat in the playoffs? Because he really doesn't fit that team scheme. That was part of it. Let's make Boston weaker. And so I'm going to come back. They thought their only competition was uh, Milwaukee. That was a huge mistake. So they signed Boston to uh, sign Al Horford to make Boston weaker. And here's the thing, which was dumb. So you 
signing a backup center to a $109 million contract, and you're going to play him at the four out of position. So you have three centers on the four, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Al Horford. <laughs> and somehow your center is the best shooter out of all three of them. It was a disaster. So they did that, and they thought, oh, we don't – a year ago, and I'm not saying this in hindsight, I told people I work with, my co-host, I said it on our pod. Miami is going to go further than the Sixers. Then when the bubble started, I had oh, them going wow. to the final. I'm talking about Ben. Yeah, we like you, Ben. We love you, Ben. That's we love you, Ben. <laughs> that's because Pat Riley just wants people to play ball, and there's a bunch of young guys down there that I thought was talented. So the Sixers thought they only had to worry about Boston, uh, Milwaukee. They didn't think about Boston. They didn't think about Toronto. They didn't think about uh, Miami. They signed Al Horford away from Boston thinking this is keeping Joel Embiid from dominating in postseason or in games. So let's take it away. I'm not calling Joel Embiid Superman, but in this analogy, he's Superman. So why do you bring his kryptonite to play with them? It's not going to work. I've got a question for you. So it's obvious that the Sixers need a guy who can create his own shot, like a legit point guard. So are you willing to give up a couple of young guys and Matisse Tybel and Shake Milton and a first round pick for a Chris Paul? You got the wrong guys. I'm interested in Chris Paul. You got the wrong guys. I'll give up almost anything to get Chris Paul if that but part of that has to be Al Horford. I I know that's not going to happen to OKC, especially since Billy Donovan isn't there anymore. And Billy Donovan coached him at the University of Florida. But then your starting five is what? Actually, the money wouldn't work. You have, what, three or four players now making over $30 million a year. So the, the money wouldn't work. I would give up like an Al Horford, a shake, and a draft pick for Chris Paul. I will give up a Tobias and Matisse in a draft pick for Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul's contract is also only two more years left on the deal. I know he has a player option, but, and I'm not married, but I do have family members, men and women, that would kill me if I walked away from $45 million. And I can only assume that his wife and family would do the same thing. So I think you got. If you can get Al Horford and some young players and picks for Chris Paul, go for it. Um, I would be also be interested in a Drew Holiday. Um, actually, something about Chris Paul, too. Him and Doc Rivers ain't see eye to eye in L.A., and that's something that's being overlooked. Even though I would take it because it's a – the Sixers are unfortunately in a win-now mode because of previous and past decisions. I was interested in Buddy Hill, but now that Dave Yeager is in Philly – those two didn't get along, and I don't see Buddy Hill leaving one situation that he's miserable in just to be miserable in another situation. So the Sixers got to get real creative, and it's probably going to be a lot of young pieces that people haven't heard of before. Ben, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, the core, right, the star players. Uh, we obviously know how dominant Embiid can be. But Ben Simmons, like Gabe alluded to, just every year he's the same player. I mean, there's got to be some sort of responsibility or player development for Ben at we see all the before the bubble he had this whole five you know five second tape whatever it was two minutes long where he's shooting jump shots in the gym 
Like, obviously, that's not what happened in the bubble. So, any responsibility on, on these guys, Ben and, and Joel, do you feel like? So, I, I think there's a lot of responsibility on them, but I don't know if they see it that way. Joel needs to get in shape. Point blank, period, get in shape and get down on the block. But I think getting down on the block is part of being in shape. When he's tired, he drifts out to that three-point line. And Joel only dominates guys that aren't good. Like, it's not Shaq in his prime giving it to anyone and everyone that's a big man, whether it was uh, Tim Duncan or David Robinson, Yao Ming, uh, Matumbo. He's not – he will give it to anyone and everyone. Joel struggles with the Marcus Ells and guys of that elk. He dominates Carl Anthony Towns, but Carl Anthony Towns doesn't like to play defense. Ben, and it was brought up earlier, Ben Simmons, and I think his game is fantastic. It doesn't lack anything except the jump shot, but his game hasn't really evolved per se, since he came into the league. Like, where has he actually... He's a better defender when he's gotten to the league, but that's just learning the game. And it's not Davey. He's he's not a 36% from beyond the arc. It's that he won't even shoot these open jump shots with three seconds left on the clock. He's looking to pass it to someone and put, then end up putting them in a bad position. So you have to. he has to be willing to shoot when... It's right there. Like, when teams play 15 feet off of him, they're practically saying, he's with us. Don't worry about him. And I, that's so disrespectful. You should want to get better. Like, oh, you don't think I'm going to make this shot? To start shooting it. I remember Vince Carter, when he first came in the league, he was like, I struggle with foul shots. So he started shooting a 1,000 foul shots every day over the summer before he would work on any other part of his game. So Ben can release these videos and clutch sports can release these pictures and videos shooting in the gym at LA fitness or anytime fitness. They get a bunch of us who will want to sniff a D three court. It doesn't matter until you do it in the game Mm -hmm. point blank period. So Ben, you, you mentioned that, you know, there's a possibility that the pieces that get added to this roster are going to be names that we haven't necessarily heard of. And that makes me think, you know, what if you can't unload Tobias Harris and Al Horford and you have to turn to the NBA draft? What are you thinking for a first round pick? Uh, I I see the Sixers have the 21st pick. Uh, I've heard names like Tyrell Terry, the 6'2 guard from Stanford, who had the pre-draft interview with the team that apparently went really well. Uh, Another name that I've heard is Desmond Bain, the 6'6 guard from TCU, who was regarded as one of the best shooters in the draft. You think the draft might have something for the Sixers? I think that's their best option. I've I've heard a lot about Terry. I've looked at videos and things, but I'll be honest with you, and this will go back to we haven't talked about it, but Markel Fultz, I remember people said Markel Fultz can't miss number one pick. And my argument was, how do you know? Because I know damn well you wasn't staying up to watch Washington basketball. That's true. That's true. Basketball. <laughs> people are saying, people are saying Tyrell Terry, he plays at Stanford. <laughs> I mean, and I'm... I watch college basketball when we get to the tournament. So this isn't me taking away from him. This is me taking away from everyone that's saying, oh, he's this good. He can do this, this, and that. How many players have been picked high because they were supposed to be the second coming of so-and-so 
are supposed to be can't miss, and they ended up being nothing. So I think, unlike the NFL, I think the NFL is a lot more sure thing. Basketball and the NBA, I think it's really a toss-up. If the Sixers are going to draft somebody, and I know, well, they're going to draft somebody, but if it's someone I want it, and I know this isn't going to happen, and it wouldn't even make the team better. But you know what it'll do? It'll make my life more interesting because it'll be better content. So I'm for the ball boy to show up. Is it, uh, <laughs> yes. Lamelo, I bring Lamelo, have LeVar start talking again. That's endless content that for me. That quarantine got you fucked up, huh, Ben? <laughs> I also love chaos. NBA team soundtrack. As you all heard last week, we introduced to you the NBA team soundtracks as promised to three new teams here, Detroit Pistons, New Orleans Pelicans, and the Philadelphia 76ers. We have some special tracks selected for these three teams today. First and foremost, we'll start with the Detroit Pistons. So... The song I have chosen for the Detroit Pistons to represent their 2019-2020 season is Last Resort by Papa Roach. Does anybody know that song? Yeah, uh, you went 1999-2000 alternative rock, kind of suicidal and dark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this context, this is the ultimate fuck my life song. And I'm making sure to clarify that because like Ben said, it is a pretty dark song. And in real life, this song is about someone who was contemplating suicide, but eventually got better. And really, when you when you listen to this song, you think about the misery that was experienced in Motown for yet another season. I mean, the Pistons finished with a 20 and 46 record, despite having a star in Blake Griffin, who led them to the playoffs the season before. And the player who should have been a star in Derrick Rose, who seemed to be in the midst of a renaissance, but both players were hit with injuries again, and it didn't amount to much for the Detroit Pistons. And then they traded Andre Drummond to Cleveland and ended their season with a 9-32 record. So maybe there's hope, you know, considering that they have some cap space and they have the seventh pick in the NBA draft. But as of right now, the future is looking as dark as this song. Yeah, sure. So I picked uh, Lincoln Park in the end because uh, basically when players, coaches, and management aren't on the same page, they can do whatever they want. They can try really hard. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. So I feel like that was their season in a nutshell. They got they got uh, Blake Griffin, said injuries, up and down the roster. And no matter who they got, they just couldn't do anything or have any continuity from game to game. So, like you said, tried so hard and got so far. Not really. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. I cannot envision you listening to Linkin Park. You don't strike me as a Linkin Park fan. You know about that, right? Is when I was, I think I was in uh, high school when they came out. So me and my boys, right, we all in the hood. We in my 87 Lincoln Town Car. So I'm like, <laughs> yo, that's all Linkin Park. I think it was crawling at the time. And we all act like didn't like it, but we actually did like it. So we was like, oh, yeah, it's okay. It, you know, it, it kind of bumps a little bit. So, and we all discover right there that we like some rock music. Oh, oh crap. So, okay, we good then. So we all kind of realized that at the same time. But, yeah. Wow. Look at that. Wow, well, thanks for sharing that, old man. Ben, <laughs> how about you? What do you got for the, the Pistons? So, I have... Throw Fits by Juvenile. 
Have you guys heard that song? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Say that again? Throw Fits by Juvenile. Okay. You haven't Carry heard on. You haven't heard that song, have you? I have. No. You have? I, that makes one of the four people on this podcast because I, I just know Juvenile released a song. I never listened to it. And I forgot the Pistons were even a le- in the league until that rundown got set. Because <laughs> if a tree falls out of the forest and no one's there to hear it, it actually happens. That is a very creative way for That's you funny. to wiggle yourself out of this one, Menberry. Like oh, <laughs> only things I knew about Pistons this year was go back to a year ago, Stan Van Gundy quit because he had enough up there. They traded Andre Drummond and the kid uh, Christian Wood got the Rona. That's the only oh, thing I knew that happened. I don't know a damn thing that happened otherwise. And speaking <laughs> back off your point, uh, Ben, uh, Juvenile's latest stuff was garbage. So yeah, it wasn't worth listening to anyway. It's the same way we can describe the Detroit Pistons. They're not worth watching. Yeah, I'm not... I want to spend my Tuesday night watching the Pistons. They could, they could be playing LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Steph Curry, a young Blake Griffin, and Zion Williamson all at the same time. Some mash all-star team. I'm not wasting my night. I'll read a book and learn something. <laughs> all right. I'm going to round out the Pistons here. I guess I'm going to go on more on the rock theme here. So I chose Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. And, uh, I just feel like I was on the same level as you, Robbie, you know, very dark. Uh, and this song just explains that, uh, some of the, uh, lyrics that I wanted to share was though it's been a while now, I can still feel so much pain <laughs> like a knife that cuts you, the wound heals, but the scar, that scar remains. And I feel like it's an example of just like Derrick Rose. We know what his career has been like. He's had so much uh, different injuries. Literally, I'm not talking about the cuts on his knees. I'm just referencing the fact that, man, it's nice to see him reincarnated for for a second there in Detroit. But we all know ultimately uh, that it's just an opportunity for him to achieve his showtime there. And obviously, you know, maybe maybe LA Lakers, you know, it's a good choice to Rose uh, in a short season here. Head on down, win you another chip, brother. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I went with that. I think D-Rose, it kind of it represents D-Rose. That's the only thing I know about Detroit this year is Derrick Rose. Uh, and I think it represents Derrick Rose's career so far. So, shout out to D-Rose, man. Coming to LA. Let's so. just re- reiterate the fact that, like, we are the most knowledgeable NBA podcast out there. We know about every team, even our guests do. <laughs> but say, let me tell you something real quick. Back. So everybody's going to LA now. That's that's what it's going to come down to now. Everybody wants to go to the Lakers now. Come on, man. Come on. I, I just want an opportunity for you to call D Rose, washed up, no, and I, love I love D Rose, and then. And then he's going to win a championship again, and then we can have the same conversation. Well, come to Miami, then. Come to Miami, then. All right, let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans next here. Uh, the Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans, 2019-2020 season. My song is Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. Ooh, Mikey boy. That's my guy. I'm starting okay. with the man in the mirror. 
I picked this song because the song is about self-reflection, which is something that I think guys like Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, and maybe even Stan Van Gundy need to do this offseason. Uh, Zion's probably looking at himself in the mirror like I do every morning, listening to the song, you know, staring at his body, maybe grabbing his rolls and going like, damn, I am out of shape. I need to get my shit together. <laughs> Zion and Lonzo both underwhelmed in the bubble. Neither played up to expectations. And I feel like the success of Stan Van Gundy's tenure as head coach there will ride on how well he can maximize the young talent on this team. Uh, because really, as we all know, that's that was something that Alvin Gentry was really bad at doing. Um, so yeah, I, I felt like a lot of lyrics here... Uh, I, I, again, I can see Zion and Lonzo singing this to themselves in the mirror. I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel real good. Going to make a difference. Going to make it right. And I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. What does he mean? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, okay, so it's my turn, right? Okay, so... Well, Pelicans, you know how we just witnessed Anthony Davis winning a championship, right? It was sweet. Finally got his championship ring. So don't you think the Pelicans are reminiscing over Anthony Davis and all the good times they had? So I'm going with Pete Rock and CL Smooth, Troy, that reminisce over you. So it's, it's a perfect song. You know, I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. I'm sure Ben has. Maybe you guys have too. But it's, it's just pretty much saying that they reminisce over you. Anthony Davis, we had some good times. Could have gone far if it wasn't for LeBron James' influence bringing you to LA to get that ring. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep it simple. Pete Rock, Seattle Smooth, they reminisce over you. The New Orleans Pelicans made me think of Pop That by French Montana. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. Pelicans, very excited to think about. They got the young players, they move fast. You got, the, you got the veterans and Drew Holiday and J.J. Reddick, but the young players, whether Josh Hart, Zion, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. It's a, it's a lot of fun to think about. Pop that, you got some you got some of the more experienced Raptors, seasoned vets, and Rick Ross and Lil Wayne. You got the young guys at the time, Drake and French Montana. I love that song. I would never listen to a full French Montana album if you put a gun to my head. I like watching the Pelicans play. I would not watch them three times in one week if you gave me $100 million. That's a stretch, but you get what I'm saying. I love Pop That. I will brush my teeth to Pop That. I am not listening to a French Montana album or EP from beginning to end. I am not watching the Pelicans day in and day out because it'll be just average. I've also made a lot of questionable decisions that started with the song Pop That. Shout out to the Fountain Blue and Arcadia. That was, you know, that was me and my prime. Breaking my back to Pop That. I love that song too. Funny story about Pop That. When me and Robbie were both in Connecticut working for the Four Letters, I would come back from commercial break of Yo, you guys run this, so I can say when we both worked at ESPN, I was running the board for SVP and Rosillo show at that time, which is also on TV. I came back from break playing pop that, but it wasn't the edited version. That was a, it was amazing, but I also thought my career was over. <laughs> oh man! All right, so I got 
Uh, I, I want to go with, a, like, as Gabe, you would say, your lazy pick here. And when I watch Lonzo Ball play, I only think of one word, and that word's bricks. So all I hear is bricks, 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 bricks. So I went with Carnage featuring Migos. I think the first part of the course explains Lonzo Ball, especially in the early part of the bubble. What was it, 26% from the field? Lonzo, man. Lonzo, Ooh, I hope bad. you're working on a jump he's shot. Part, part of the lyrics go on to say, my mama said stay patient, which I think represents... David Griffin, Alvin Gentry, somebody in the Pelicans organization saying, we got to stay patient with Zion. He's out of shape. Don't play him. But Zion wants to say the next line, and he says, 100 brands, I ain't waiting. The chorus ends on, God damn, you got me fucked up. And quite frankly, that's got to be the reaction from Zion when he's not in the game at monumental times where they need him in the fourth quarter against teams that they should have been beating to get to the playoff. Uh, playing tournament out there in the West that we saw. And uh, that's pretty much my association for this song here. All right. And last but not least here for this segment and this time around for NBA soundtracks, we have the Philadelphia 76ers, who we've talked so much about already. Uh, ben, you want to take this one first here? Who, who do you got to represent the Philadelphia 76ers? I will take this one. And this will be very biased. The Sixers season had a lot of hope from a lot of people except me. They are built for the playoffs. They're going to the finals. The best starting five in the league. Blah, 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 blah. People are hype on it. The song that comes to mind is by Philly rapper Meek Mill, mm. Dreams and Nightmare. Ooh, okay. Wow. I was looking at that actually. That's funny. I was looking at that song. Dreams too. and nightmare. People had high, great dreams for this team, and it ended up being a nightmare. It was an embarrassment. Got swept out the first round of the playoffs. Starting point guard still can't shoot, and your starting center is a, a Twinkie away from being 350 pounds. It's a nightmare, damn it. Now, Meek Mill, I think it depends how you feel about him. Me? I think he's awful, but a lot of people like him. The Sixers team, a lot of people like them. Yep. I think it was awful and an embarrassment. So when I think of this team, I think of Meek Mills, I think of Dreams and Nightmare, and I hate hearing that song from people that aren't from Philly because that are real big, big Meek fans because they're like, oh, so great, love Meek, and they usually fall in a certain demographic. And I hate hearing people tell me, oh, the Sixers only got to do this and this and that, and they write back in it. No, it's terrible. I don't want to hear any Meek music. I don't want to talk about last year's Sixers. It's a wrap. Oh, man. That, that's great. That's great. I, actually, let let me go. I, let me go next here because I actually did pick a Meek Mill song. I, I went Meek Millie on this one. Uh, I'm I'm not a big Meek Millie fan. I can stomach some of his music. I went with Wins and Losses, the actual song, uh, because there's a message that the Sixers need in that there's about the first five lines there. It says you have to eat the dream, you have to sleep the dream, you have to dream the dream. You got to touch. You've got to see it when nobody else sees it. You've got to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. And you've got to be possessed with a dream. Obviously, the dream or the goal for them should be winning the NBA championship. And the Philadelphia 76ers, they don't have anything that's tangible to show the last five years 
they're in the right direction, right? The only thing they have are those horrendous con contracts that we just talked about for Al Horford and Tobias Harris. But tangible meaning, you know, is something they can actually touch and feel, right? There's no Eastern Conference Finals uh, championship uh, that they've won so far. Ben uh, and B, you know, they don't have any respective individual player awards. You know, there's nothing that they have to show or no hardware, right? So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going along with that there. And then... You know, it starts off, Meek says, any weapon formed against us shall not prosper. I mean, hopefully that's the mentality they have coming in, like you alluded to Ben earlier. I mean, Joel and Beat's got to come in and say, nah, you, you ain't beating me. You ain't you ain't going to get this rebound over me. You ain't going to dunk on me. I'm going to block your shot. And that's the attitude they've got to have, and unfortunately <laughs> they just didn't have that this year. So hopefully they can take this message and implement it into the next season. Yes. Okay, so my pick is going to be Make It Work by Magic Jordan. And let me just start by saying that mm. if you haven't heard this song, this song is a fucking banger. I've heard it. And mm. when you listen to the lyrics, it says, because it's just another day. It's just another day. Just another day. All I keep on thinking is work. Make it work. And then they go on to say, I'm trying to make a good impression. I don't even know what that would be. Then he goes on to say, I've been having lots of troubles here lately. I don't want to do these things, but you make me. Something in my heart feels vacant. I can't even pre pretend. No, I won't even pretend. And when I read, when I listen to the song and I listen to the lyrics, I'm thinking like, this is pretty much what every single Sixers player is constantly saying to themselves in their head every single moment of every single day to kind of like validate themselves being on the disaster of a team that is the Philadelphia 76ers throughout the 2019-2020 season. Um, you know, for the most part, they've been trying to fit squares into circles, particularly with their supposed franchise players and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And, you know, they're going into next season with a new head coach and potentially an another roster shakeup that they will have to make work or else the city of Philadelphia is going to go up in flames and Ben is going to be leading that. <laughs> Damn right. All right. So we all we all know that the Sixers, they think they're better than what they are, right? Like, they go around like this shit don't stink. So the song I picked for them is a very simple song. It's uh, Jay-Z, Benny Siegel, and uh, Scarface. It's called This Can't Be Life. And we'll just do the chorus. It just goes, this can't be life. This can't be love. This can't be life. There's got to be more. Well, there isn't more. Because you guys have terrible contracts on your on your roster. And yes, it is life. Because you guys suck ass. <laughs> so it's just pretty much describe team. You know, they think they're better than they are. But in reality, they're not. So, you know, just keep it simple with Jay-Z Beans and my boy Scarface. Well, tell them how you really feel. Sheesh. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot or pass all NBA teams. All right, everybody. We have the all NBA team segment back again. This week, we will talk all NBA finesser team or all NBA finessing team. And pretty much simply put here, some players we've already talked about and alluded to some of them have pretty much cashed out and finessed their way into a pretty nice contract, but not living up to the contract. Uh, so we'll pick five players here individually and go down a list here. Uh, ben, you know, I think you, you have a very well thought put together list so far. Go ahead, take it away. Tell us who's on your all NBA finessing team. You want all five right now? Yeah, let's go for all five up front. Cool. Starting point guard for the All-NBA Finesse team, 
as I also like to call All-Stars at the Bank, a.k.a. Ski Mask All-Stars, a.k.a. I haven't seen them since they signed this contract. <laughs> I already know who this is. Talking I know point it. guard. Yeah, I know Scary Terry Rozier. He made a fuss in Boston. I shouldn't be playing behind these dudes. I need more playing time. I'm better than Kyrie. I'm better than Jalen Brown. I'm blah, blah, blah. He goes to Charlotte. They swap, and Boston gets Kimba. He signs a three-year, $59 million contract. I haven't heard from Scary Terry since. Someone put an APB out on this young fella. He is certified trash. That might be home. His player plus minus is negative three. His salary is nineteen million a year, and if you do the if you do the advanced analytics and all this and that, he should be making about three million a year. Scary Terry is my starting point guard. Starting two, coming straight out of he played at Kansas, got traded this year. Andrew Wiggins, have y'all seen Andrew Wiggins at the summer league games? I don't know why he's there, but he looks like someone. He looks like a kid when their parents dragged him from somewhere. He he slouched over, making faces and whatever. He don't want to be there. This dude got a max contract a few years ago, five years, one hundred and fifty million. His plus minus is minus point sixteen, point sixteen. But that's a max player. He should be doing so much more than that. His average salary is twenty seven million a year. He should only be making about seven. What do you guys know Andrew Wiggins for besides the Jimmy Butler infamous practice in Minnesota? He was Mr. Canada. Mr. Canada. Anytime you see Andrew Wiggins with 30-plus points, you also know he took 30-plus shots. (laughs) He is a guy with talent, and maybe he just – it's clear he doesn't have the want to, but maybe he also doesn't want to be there. He's just a dude, got his paycheck, and he's going to disappear. Once his contract expires in 2023, my small forward. This might be harsh because the brother had an injury after he after he signed his contract. Gordon Hayward, four years, 120 million. His his contract expires next year. And again, he had the injury. His plus minus is a positive 1.94, but that's a max contract. His average salary is 32 million. He should probably only be making around 14, 15. That's an $18 million difference. Yes, he can't, he had the injury, and Boston did a lot better when they moved him to the bench last year. And this year, he played a little at the three in the starting role. But I hate to be harsh. He shouldn't be making that money. So I can understand why Scary Terry, the starting point guard on this team, is upset when dudes like him are getting playing time. You're, we, we talked about my four and five, so I'm not going to lay it on too thick. The hell I ain't. Tobias Harris and Al Horford. Tobias, five years, 180 million, expires in 2024. I don't blame you. I blame Elton Brand because no one was going to give him that contract. But if you offered me 180 million over five years to go out there and play basketball, knowing damn well I'm not going to produce, I would have signed it too. His plus minus is 1.48. That's not max contract. As I stated earlier in the spot, 
He's never been all NBA anything, never made an all-star game. He's a dude. There's nothing wrong with just being a dude in the league, but the Sixers bought in on him being something he wasn't, and now they're strapped with that contract because no one knows what the salary cap is going to be and all these other things, so they're stuck with him. Al Horford, maybe he wouldn't be on this list if he was on a different team, but four years, $109 million. His impact last year was, his plus minus was minus 20.5. Minus 20.5. Also made that plus minus up. But his expected salary should be zero because he added nothing to the Sixers last year. And it's laying it on thick. Man, it sucked. And that's my ski mask, all-star, all-NBA finessing team, legends at the Bay. Wow. I think they all check their bank account every other Friday. Wearing a mask when they go to direct deposit. How are we gonna follow this up? You, you know, I was gonna say that, Robbie. I, that's that's an impressive. Oh, we got yeah. some more. We can do oh, this is a couple plenty. more, but I, that's that's that's, that's hell of an impressive list there, uh, Robbie. How would you follow it up first? You, you could take the. Yeah, great guys, just throw me yeah. on the spot. So, uh, I I you know as always, Miss Scramble Brain goes the uh, positionless route. But uh, I got Tobias and Al Horford on my on my All NBA finesse team as well, so I feel like Ben kind of handled that. I don't need to expand any more on that. Um, but I will throw in a Russell Westbrook, who's Ooh. in the midst of a five-year, two hundred and six million contract with the Houston Rockets, who, as we all know, gave up Chris Paul and a bunch of draft picks to Sam Presti at OKC and. He hasn't really played up to that contract, especially when it mattered most in the playoffs. He's going to be earning $47 million as a 34-year-old on the final year of his deal. Considering the play that we saw in the playoffs, is he worth that? I don't think so. Up next, I've got, and I'm going to pronounce it the way that he pronounces it, Nicola Batum. You know, and, and uh, you know, I, I think overall the Hornets have a lot of bad contracts, a lot of bad investments in there. Um, he's got, you know, he's he's got the five-year, one hundred and twenty million dollar contract that's up after next season. But the reason this guy makes my All NBA finesse team is because he publicly apologized to Hornets Nation <laughs> for not playing up to expectations. But let's be real. He's not declining the player option for $27.1 million that he's got coming up next season. This is a guy who played 22 games and averaged, get this, 3.6 points per game. Awful. Such a finesser. But, but, but the biggest finesser of them all to me has got to be John Wall. For not only oh, finessing yeah. the Wizards, but for <laughs> finessing Adidas too. Yes. He made. Oh. Yes, he did. He made thirty-eight point two million this year and didn't play a single game. And as we all know, he actually hasn't played a game since December 29, twenty eighteen. And he's gonna be making forty-one point two mil next season, forty-four point three the season after, and like Russell Westbrook. 47 mil in the final year of his deal and it's so bad that adidas was trying to buy out of a five-year endorsement deal they signed with him that was going to be giving him an additional four million base pay a year i mean 
He is Mr. Sunk Cost. Wait, 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 wait. John Waldo, and I don't mean to step on you, Robbie. Mm. He got injured, though. <laughs> he was an all-star beforehand. He got injured. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I, I put Gordon Hayward in mind, so I'll step back. I'll step back. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna just keep it simple. I'm gonna do backcourt, frontcourt. So, uh, to preface my comments, yeah, while we can blame the players for signing these deals, we also gotta put blame on the owners for actually signing yep. these deals. That, with that being said, this list is, you know, you have quite a few injuries on it, so injuries are a part of the game, but still, the numbers are big. So, as of July 2020, these are the players that have the most, I guess, terrible contracts, in my opinion. You got CP0, this fall, at a years, 85 million. Up there in age, he always gets close, never quite gets over the finish line. So, and like I said, I know he's a good point guard. We've seen him in the past. He's done a lot for it. Everything he's been on, he's been a good player. But he just gets injuries at the wrong time. And Robbie already mentioned John Wall. He's He has three years, $133 million left on his contract. I can't say much more about him. She covered all bases with John Wall. Um, Andrew Wiggins, two years, $124 million remaining. So it's like, Golden State, that kind of money, it's kind of an afterthought when the Flash Brothers come back. So it's like, checks for nothing. So yeah, I'm going to have him on that list. Um, Julius Randle, to no fault of himself, the Knicks signed like four power forwards the same year they signed him. Um, he takes $38 million on his contract. And like I said, it's not his fault because Julius Randle is a great fantasy producer. He's actually a, a, a million power forwards on the same team. And the last one is Blake Griffin, two years at $75 million. Once again, injuries as well. But Blake, Blake Griffin's game was kind of like mixed in between the old school. And he has some new school game with the three-point shot he developed later on in his career. But I just feel like the money that he got, he really wasn't worth it. But what he can do, he's pretty much a slam dunker, you know. In my opinion. All right, yeah, I, I just got to piggyback great picks from the team here. I would say John Wall, Al Horford, Tobias Harris, Nicholas Batum are all on my list there. You guys have said great things to reinforce that. Uh, my fifth actually is a guy that just came off a big contract. Uh, is Chandler Parsons. Uh, this guy has not played, and he, he signed a big contract with the Grizzlies. Almost, if it was, I believe it was like almost maxed that year, four years ago. Um, it was a four-year deal. He hasn't been able to play over 36 games in the, in the entire time that he's had that big contract. Uh, he played five games for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I mean, the contract was, you know, he came up playing 24 mil this year was the expire 25, excuse me, was going to be the expiring coming off the books this year. And um, I don't know, just obviously didn't doesn't play like a 25-year mil player, right? I mean, and did you guys know he was with the Atlanta Hawks, by the way? Does anybody no. here know? Well, I did. I, I, I do. I, I do know. Before all that happened, he was with the Mavericks. Before that, you know, him and Mark Cuban they have a great relationship. But Mark Cuban—he's a businessman. He's smart. He didn't sign him to that contract. He couldn't do it. So as a result, you know, Parsons went elsewhere, and somebody he finessed. Yeah, I mean, and I think you know, obviously, yeah. the underlying thing is a lot of injuries can affect contracts and paying players. But I mean. For me, I, I don't know what the last time I heard he was involved with a car accident. So, you know, I hope everything is well with Chandler, of course. But, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you still you still walked away with 25 mil. And of course, if they are able to get 25 mil this year because of the COVID and the, the, the Hawks weren't re-invited to the bubble. So, you know, as long as he's making that contract, I mean, 
I don't know. We probably won't see him on another NBA roster, but that rounds out. Chandler Parsons is my only addition there. The only difference to my all-NBA finessing team. All right, Mr. Barry. So we have a special exclusive category here for you today to give us here. You have a very nice selection of NBA players and comparing them to rappers here. And uh, give us a little bit of, you know, your flavor here. Who are some of your good comparisons? So... I got to start off with LeBron James. He's through year in and year out since he came into the league. He's been putting in work. Anytime you say he's the GOAT or you bring his name to the GOAT conversation, it starts a very heated debate and people get upset. The Jordan stands come out. The Kobe stands come out. People that just hate LeBron that comes out. But you have to pay this man his respect and his due. So I believe I compare him to Jay-Z, arguably the good. It's a a conversation argument is not going anywhere. LeBron is still in the MVP conversation, even though he's not winning it. Jay's last album, 444, was his best album since the Black Album. And it yes, dope album. Every song on there is good. There's not a skippable song on there. That you, they have their detractors. You can point at different parts of their careers, whether it's seasons for LeBron or finals appearances where he didn't show up, or some Jay Z albums like Magna Carta, Holy Grail. You can say, oh, maybe he's losing it, maybe he's not there. But if you don't have either one of them in your go conversation at this point, you're a hater. Yeah, I have Kevin Durant as Kanye West. Whoa. Whoa! Well, Kanye first seen 15 ah. years ago, 16 years ago. Everyone thoroughly enjoyed Kanye. Liked his music. We liked what he did on the court. And but the more we got to know Kanye, even though his his fame and his stardom grew, it was a lot more people just started disliking him. And it wasn't because of his music. It was because of his antics and everything he did. And whether he was upset, he didn't get awards. He felt like he wasn't getting the respect and notoriety. That's Kevin Durant. He came yep, in, everyone loved Kevin Durant. He was the nice guy. And more and more, I think we saw it when he was in Golden State. Just a little bit, he became less and less happy. Turned into a just like a teenager in the middle of puberty. Like, you just, hey, Kevin, what you doing? What you effing you mean on how I'm doing? Like, just always angry and upset. That go to state Warriors team used to be like fun and all everyone was happy, like Steph Curry. And then they kind of took on Kevin Durant. And it was just, they were just angry. No one believes in us. Like, yo, you're one of the greatest teams of all time. It's not that no one doesn't believe in you. We have to have something to talk about so we can just sing your praises nonstop. So I got Kevin Durant being Kanye West. The only difference there is that Kevin Durant isn't married to a Kardashian. But other than that, that is like the most spot on one yet. I mean, I think clothes back on the That's market. Next. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got Steph Curry. I compare him to Kendrick Lamar. Both dominant, uh, transcend. I, I heard a sigh, so maybe someone disagrees with this. I think they were both ahead of their time. Small in stature type guys. Steph does a little bit at all. Seth played defense. But kids out there on the court, they want to shoot like Steph, pass, they want to do all of it. Kendrick, he can rap, 
freestyle, battle rap, puts together albums, and anytime he's on a song, he commands everyone's attention. That's what Steph does. When he's on the court, everyone's watching him. So no, that's why that's why I have those two being so similar. Kendrick has some things that didn't work out for him. He ain't break on the scene until he got that Dr. Dre rub, that cosign. Curry dealt with the ankle injuries coming out of college. But they challenge everyone. They're both humble. They're hard to hate unless you just hate people. I have those two going hand in hand. So it's safe to say that you are also on the Golden State bandwagon to uh, dethrone the Lakers next season. Golden is that State. is that what I'm getting here? No, here's why. <gasps> here, no, wait, wait, here's uh, why. He's canceled, canceled, canceled. There's a card in there. I'm not, I want to be shocked if it happens. I'm just not putting money on it. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Okay. There's a wild card that no one's thinking about. And that wild card's name is Draymond Green. Yes, Draymond Green, he's not what he was five years ago, but he's still a very good player that affect games. Why I say he's a wild card is we all dealt with someone that is decent at their job. We just can't stand being around them. And I can imagine doing that for 82 games a season or however long this upcoming season might be, 60 to 72. I couldn't imagine being around Draymond. And since they're going to have more back-to-backs and things like that, we might see someone get choked on the court. I have no idea. You got to worry about Draymond. That's why I don't have it. Yeah, Spree Walk. I've always Spree wanted Walk. to ask PJ, like, what happened? PJ Carlisle, what happened? But I got more to say. Uh, second to last one, Giannis got him as J. Cole. Humble superstars, true to their roots. J. Cole just don't put anyone on his album to get sales. Giannis isn't recruiting people to come to Milwaukee. He wants to win in Milwaukee. Or come to Miami. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, Giannis, he's vocal about not wanting to join other marquee players. And I think J. Cole went platinum with no features. I think they pushed their, their peers to be better, and they're still growing right now. So I got them going hand in hand. So, and my last one is one of my oldest comparisons that when I first started doing this years ago, and it's still true to this day, Jamal Crawford's Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes has been around since we were kids. For some people in the pod before they were born. <laughs> Buster, you, Buster, you hear him on a track and he is fire. You'd be like, yo, that's insane. Well, because you can barely understand them because he's rapping so fast most of the time. He was, it was him, Twister, the fast rappers back in the day. Oh, E forty, but no, like so. You hear Buster spit. He's like, "Yo, this is insane." I think everyone like would enjoy a Buster Rhymes concert. It's probably one of the best performances I've ever seen live. But what turned me on Buster is when I bought an album for Buster when I was in high school. And I was like, yo, I cannot listen to this from beginning to end. Crawford, he can go for 50 any given night. He could be the best player on the court almost on any given night. Shoot, dribbling, everything. Getting get to the rack. Wildly entertaining. No one signing up to watch Jamal Crawford for 82 games. Because, you know, like, Jamal Crawford can drop 50 any given night. End of the season, you see he averages 
13 points. Busta can have the hottest verse on any given song. You listen to his album and it's eh. I got Busta being, or Jamal Crawford being Busta Rhymes. I love it. I love it. But you're missing somebody here. Who's Drake? So, I, I don't have a Drake comparison, but I will give you one. I will tell you why I don't have a Drake comparison. Drake, I feel like the only people that should listen to Drake are people without facial hair. He doesn't do anything for me. I don't know if any of you fellas are Drake fans. So if I had to think of a Drake, if I had to think of a Drake, I would think of, damn, James Harden. Whoa. I, I like that. The one with the most facial hair. <laughs> well, I mean, Drake's facial hair is probably fake. I, I'm, I have questions about it. So, so this this is why it is not as in detailed as the others. Drake is wildly talented. He can rap, he can sing, he can make hits. James Harden, wildly talented. He can dribble, he gets to the rack, he can pull up from nearly anywhere on the court. I don't want to listen to a Drake album the same way I don't want to watch the Rocks, Rockets play basketball. James Harden playing isn't aesthetically pleasing or fun to watch listening to a drake album isn't all that fun for me well i want to say all this stuff was good when he first came out when he's on when he's freestyling from the grass he came off that show you know he, he was good early like most rappers they're good early they kind of fade away drake like Jay-Z. He's still going strong. yeah we can tell yeah absolutely <laughs> oh wow okay so it's different so I don't, I don't know if you guys got any other rappers or players you want me to compare I can come up with something on the spot, but shoot them. You gave us so much content right there. Oh, I got one. I got one. Let's see. Master P. Damn, really? (laughs) Master P. (laughs) (laughs) You don't got to answer that one. Just throw it out there. Master P. So good. (laughs) Sorry, cough. I promise I don't got the Rona. Master P. (laughs) <laughs> oh. Rapper Master P, I will compare to the NBA player Master P. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you got to run. It, it didn't last long. long. Neither did his run on top nationally. He runs things down there, New Orleans and that area. But around the country, he had that what? That six or seven months where people was banging no limit. And if you actually listen to it, it's. It's in. It happens. It's nothing we're talking about. And I guess for, I, I think he was on the Raptors like preseason roster. I mean, if you're a Raptors fan, that's nothing to be proud about, but it happened. <laughs> I mean, you can compare him in terms of like riches, I guess, to Michael Jordan. I'm not saying accolades, but rich. He's pretty, he's pretty uh, far up there. He's, he's a pretty wealthy rapper or entrepreneur, actually, I want to say. Yeah, is there someone else yet? I don't think I have anyone for that. I know I would have Dante Vincenzo, white Dante, because it's Dante. How fair, Dante. I have him as Eminem. That, that's it. That's based on looks. I mean, I love white Dante. Like, I wanted the Sixers to draft him. He played in Villanova. Yeah, yeah, he's an over guy. Yep. 
What do you recommend him as a rapper? Is he the GOAT? He's not close. No, no, no. I was, Eminem is very talented. Very talented. I couldn't tell you the last time he's made an album I wanted to listen to from beginning to end. He's put out a lot of of lackluster albums. So I'm sure I'm stepping on someone's toes right now. I feel like this is such a loaded question. But no, like, we about to lose listeners. That's not my problem. Uh, Jay Z, <laughs> Jay Z, Nas, Tupac, Big, or the Easy Four. But for me, you got to throw Scarface in there. I have um, I'm a big Scarface wow. fan. Uh, Red Man. You know, some people have mm-hmm. Ghosts in there or Ice Cube. Yeah, so I might be showing my age. I would say people that usually have Eminem as their goat don't listen to what crap. I don't know how else to say. <laughs> They're the people but, with no facial hair that also like Drake. This way, this way. Yep. Rappers don't go at Eminem because they know Eminem can't embarrass them. If it, if it was a battle rap, I'm just saying. Battle rap, rappers don't fuck with like, him. Like Eminem, I do wanna, he's wildly talented. Be a great battle rapper. Punchlines, flow, wordplay, it's amazing. But if you're making albums, yeah, like if you're making albums, like if if we're just throwing albums out the window, there's a lot of battle rappers should be in this discussion. Like Cassidy. Starting five. All right, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and transition over to the last. <laughs> The last duel of the show here, which we will discuss our oh boy. top five or starting five TV shows here of all time. And uh, this is going to be interesting here. So, you know, Robbie, we'll let you go first because I feel like we need to. I need to know your top five. You need to know my top five. I need five. to know your top five. I'm excited <laughs> to hear this one. I threw a little bit of everything in here just to give you a well-rounded starting five because every starting five should be well-rounded. Okay. And I'm going to start with Mm -hmm. The Sopranos. And for whatever reason, you know, you'll you'll see in my my taste in in TV shows and in my taste in movies that I'm drawn to mob-related shit. And... The Sopranos is one of the greatest shows, if not the greatest show to ever be created. It, it sets the bar for how drama TV shows should be made. It humanizes bad people. It, it gives insight into different cultures over multiple generations in a way that is still relevant to this day, which I think is really cool. And, you know, to this day, people are still talking about the ending of the show. And they talk about James Gandolfini, may he rest in peace, his performance as Tony Soprano, the fights between Tony Soprano and Carmela, his wife, and then the dream sequences, which were incredibly brilliant even to this day. Next, another incredible show, one of the best, The Wire. And I got a a funny little side note regarding The Wire here. So Audio Man is notoriously bad at correctly identifying the actors whenever he's watching TV shows. <laughs> and not too long ago, he came up to me and he's like, oh my God, did you know that Michael B. Jordan was on The Wire in season one? And I stared at him in silence for like a good minute. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, 
dude like we finished watching the show once ago and wow. now is when you're telling me that you realize that michael b jordan is the kid in season one whatever he's you know whatever you gotta forgive him he's he, he's yeah i'm kind of the same way too i can't lie i'm okay. the same way, I'm the same way. No wow wow yeah. look at you guys wow a lot of a lot of sympathy for audio men mm-hmm. on this show yep. i wonder if it's because you're all men Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> the wires, the wires, well, another show that that does a really good job of like humanizing bad people, and it also gives insight into the lives of people that come from completely different backgrounds, and it really helps viewers understand how systemic racism works against Black people from the moment they are born. I mean, season four, I think to me is just the most incredible thing I've ever seen on TV. I wasn't crazy about season five, but because season four was so freaking good, it didn't matter. I love it. This should be a required watch for every American. Uh, Up next, I'm going to my favorite all-time animated show, BoJack Horseman. Um, If y'all haven't seen BoJack Horseman, the show is about... A guy who is a horse as well. He was once a TV star and he suffers from some trauma and some abuse that he experienced as a kid and is on a path to self-destruction throughout the show. And I love it because it parodies certain aspects of society, but it also touches on some deep fucking subjects. And like a lot of the jokes and the satire that you see on the show serve as comic relief in a way that kind of destigmatizes a lot of the dark shit that is talked about on the show and uh yeah man it's a great show i know everybody loves rick and morty and south park and family guy but to me this is like the best animated show for for adults obviously don't have your kids watch this shit up next i gotta move on to my controversial takes because we've had some arguments about this in our group chat better call saul Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. I that's it. I mean, oh, Better Call on. Saul is come better on. than Breaking Bad. Let me let me. <laughs> so I watched I watched Breaking Bad sporadically when it first aired, and so I kind of knew the ending. So I don't know if that like changes my perspective. But I watched Better Call Saul in its entirety first, and then went back to watch Breaking Bad and El Camino. Um, yeah, Breaking Bad has more action and it's more intense, but I'm always more drawn to like character development and I feel like Breaking Bad has a lot of plot holes and I didn't fucking like that. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta go for Better Call Saul and I cannot wait for the next season. I am ready to see Jimmy McGill continue his transformation from Saul Goodman to Gene, the guy who works in a fucking Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska. And for my last show, I had to throw in a reality show because I like my good, pure trash, Love Island. Love Island. Listen, listen. Don't knock it till you try it. Audio Man approved show here, okay? Everyone that I've introduced this show to has gotten hooked on it and it's become my personal mission to persuade everyone to watch this masterful piece of trash it is so good most of like when you watch a reality show i always feel like they're trying to fool the viewer whereas in love island it feels like we're all in on it and the people on the show are the ones being fooled and it's fun there's a lot of good drama there's a lot of breast thighs uh 
a lot of action, a lot of intensity, a lot I mean, of crazy drunk people. And when you look up the shit that happens to these people after the show, I guarantee your draw will drop. And uh, listen, if you guys are fans of Jersey Shore or the OG reality show Flavor of Love, this is a good show. Oh, OG. The real world was around like 20 years before the Flavor of Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about the format of this show. Re- uh, okay. Real world is a different format. Right, yeah, right. step back. I cannot believe nope. Breaking Bad is not in your top five. Like, I'm mad at you right now. I'm upset. Fight. Fight. I'm upset. With you. That's cool. <laughs> All right, well, she covered. She covered two of them, The Wire and The Sopranos. But let me just touch on The Sopranos. Like, you know, Tony, Tony uh, Soprano, he was like the godfather for anti-heroes. And all the ones that came after Walter White. Um, you know, just different characters that you you, you hate, but then you kind of love them and you want to see where they go in the series. But um, for anybody who knows me, they know I love mob life. I love police cop dramas. Um, you know, anything in that realm, I'm there for it. So The Sopranos, you know, came out in 1999. It was one of my favorite shows to watch, and I, I definitely love that show. All right, um, number two, I'm going to go Breaking Bad. <sighs> Robbie, we, we got to talk about this later. But yeah, this is the character development. It didn't drag on beyond its expiration date like The Walking did. Um, you know, and you had characters who became, they were one person at the start, and they become someone completely different towards the end, like Walter White to Heisenberg. Jesse was a low-level drug dealer working for the cartel. It was just great writing, and it was a perfect ending, and it didn't drag on too long. So Breaking Bad is number yeah, two. Yeah, I gotta disagree with you on Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> whatever. So I said to cover the wire, Breaking Bad. I got Oz as my in my top five as well. Uh, it's just, it's it's a really good show, and it deals with a, a, a lawyer who went to jail for a drunk driving charge and killed a girl on her bike. So when he gets to jail, he's pretty much abused by the Aryan Brotherhood. Um, the guy who plays the Farmers commercial, We Are Farmers, that guy, J.K. Simmons, yeah, he pretty much makes him his bitch the whole show. And the guy finally got, gets some balls and he kind of rises to power. Well, not power, but he has a respectable voice in the show. And Oz also had a lot of characters from The Wire, Bodie, Avon, Cheese, and Rolls. They was all in, in Oz. So definitely watch that show, Robbie, because I know you will love it. It's a really good show. And uh, my last show is a cartoon. <laughs> and uh, I think most people can agree with this show. Oh cartoon. my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Maggie was the shit. I mean, we got it late in the, in the States because Jap- uh, Japan had it since I think like uh, 87 or 88. We got it late. And I started watching it, I think, in elementary or middle school. But um, this cartoon, man, it's just the best animated fighting cartoon of life. Of life, <laughs> not a Goku fan. <laughs> Goku is the shit. Every time, well, you know what? At the same time, Goku is the reason why the Earth was in so much crap because they will come looking for the strongest fighter in the universe. You know, and Goku would look for those challenges. So all bad guys, Frieza, Cell, uh, Jiren, and everybody would come to Earth, you know, to whoop his ass. And Goku, you know, he was he was that dude. You know, he would take them all out. You know, at the expense of some of his friends dying. But, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z, all-time classic. You got to watch it. You know, I I don't want to step on any toes. I'm a little disappointed in some of the some of the shows that are thrown out there. Um, I couldn't figure out what order to put mine in, but I think this is as close 
is the best order I can figure it out. Just ramble for no reason. Number five, the animated show that used to be a comic strip, The Boondocks. Mm. I think it's oh, hilarious through and through. Oh, season one through three, because season four never happened. Word is they're rebooting it. I think it's hilarious. It talks about whether mass incarceration, uh, drugs, prostitution, all of it. I think it's a hilarious show. My show number four, which I started watching when the at the start of the pandemic, Snowfall. Have any of you guys? Yeah, oh, it's on my list of shows oh, to watch. Yes. So my boy, my boy uh, Everett, who's down in Houston, uh, we linked up in Connecticut. He told me about Snowfall, and I've been through that in about a week and a half, two weeks. That shows the real deal. So if you haven't watched it, I would say check out Snowfall. Number three, Homeland. Has anyone seen Homeland? No, I I gave up on it, though. I gave up on it after season five, because I think it was getting too much. It was just the same old thing. Carrie was lost. I gave up. Um, In 2012, before I moved to Connecticut, the radio station I was working for down here, the host told me I was a moron because I didn't watch much TV. And he was talking about Homeland. So I got home, I saw it was free on demand, and I binged the first season and a half in less than a week before I moved. The first two seasons in a season and a half, in a week and a half before I moved to Connecticut. And I loved it. When I moved back here and whatever and caught up on the last season, I think it is thorough. It's insane. I love it. No one named this show, and I'm a little disappointed in everyone right now. Number two is the Chappelle show. Mm. Oh. That, that, You're right. My list, we man. fucked up. We fucked it's up. Hard. I fucked up. Yes, yes, you did. That's on my list, Ben. It's so cool. Uh, thank you, thank you. Chappelle so show. Even if it was only two seasons, it is great. We, and all of us can turn that on right now and laugh until we cry. It's amazing. It still holds up. There's not a bad sketch on there. It's amazing. Number one, because it's the greatest television show of all time, is The Wire. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. The Wire, number one. So the Boondocks, yes. Snowfall, Homeland, Chappelle Show, The Wire. Wow, he even ranked them for us, too, and everything. Unreal. I see, mine was out of order, but I'm, I'm just shocked that both you, Ben, and Robbie haven't seen Oz. It's, it's, um, it's sort of comparable to The Wire with its grittiness, and it's also HBO show. So it's like I've seen the first episode and it was good. It just didn't knock out anything else I was watching at the time to continue to watch. Got it, got it. I have Chappelle's show on my list here. Uh, So someone that mentioned Breaking Bad, uh, Chappelle's show. Those are the two that I have on my list. Definitely you guys have said enough about that game. And then... I got Narcos personally. I'm a, I'm a fan, big fan of, of these shows where uh, it just has to do with like drugs, I guess. You know, Breaking Bad. Narcos was like the closest thing after the fact of Breaking Bad that you kind of correlate the drug trade and the inside of it. Uh, so Narcos is on my list. Um, I personally enjoy Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Such a, I wanted to pick a classic show that everybody, you know, you could turn on in any family and they will enjoy it. Uh, so I feel like Fresh Prince of Bel Air really still is relevant today. And we can watch those reruns uh, at late at night. And then um, 
my last one here that uh, I'm not much of a TV guy, so I, I picked Atlanta because it was a show that I thoroughly enjoyed from head to toe. Season one was great. It was just, I feel like the two seasons are, are different, but season two was individually each episode had its own meaning. It, to me, that was so great to see. Uh, I love Donald Clover, so that that's my top five there. Not no particular order, but you know, I think they're all great shows though. But uh, Breaking Bad still the go. Let me ask you about you said Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Which is better, that or Martin? Because that's always a fight. That's always a fight. Ah, oh, man. I, Before you answer this, Martin was way funnier. Martin was way funnier. I feel me. like people judge you on the answer on this. Yeah, they, man. They like who you hung out with based on your answer on this. <laughs> I mean, I, but I like them both, man. It's not even like I prefer. I mean, if Martin's on, I'll watch it. If, if Fresh that's Prince true. is on, I'll watch it. I mean, they usually go yeah, hand in hand, man. Mean. It's so. <laughs> It's not even like I prefer one. I mean, I like when they have them back to back. You got Fresh, Fresh Prince, and you can watch an episode of Martin right after. I mean, yeah. that's what I prefer. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it at that band for you. <laughs> I started watching on Saturday night. Uh, I started the Fresh Prince of Bel Air from episode one. Uh, if you have HBO Max, is on there. So I've been, awesome. oh, I've been. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's on HBO Max. Uh, I found out I got it free. So shout out to whoever I got with that. Uh, started episode one, and I'm just knocking them out. I also got a few honorable mentions. Um, to name a few. Warwalk uh, Empire was also another good show that I enjoyed. Even yep. Pretty yep. Work, but I did love that show. Now, Prison Break, the show was crap after season one, but it was one of the best season ones of any show in the history of shows. Like, season one of Prison Break was just excellent. I mean, I loved every bit of it. It was always edgy seat type drama. You had to watch it. And uh, Wentworth, it's a show part no one's probably ever heard of. But uh, it's about no, I have. You heard, yeah, it's about Australian women's prison. It's, it's it's funny. It's you know it's serious, but uh, most, most importantly, it's better than Orange is the New Blacks. I guess you can compare it to that. But um, Wentworth, is, it's a very good show. I'll throw in a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, Mad Men, great show. Uh, Fargo is a very good show as well. That. I gotta watch that. You gotta throw Fargo on your list, man. Fargo's a good it. show. Mm-hmm. Do I have any honorable mentions? Um, oh, the show on Netflix that uh, a former coworker she got me watching. You on Netflix? Oh come no, on, Ben! I never, I never seen it. I never wanted to check it out. I think all my honorable mentions are about to be real trashy TV. It's a. <laughs> yeah. Um, you gotta throw the trashy TV in there. I'll forgive you. I'll step back. I'll step back. Um, Love is Blind. I can't wait for season two. That was okay. that was at the beginning of quarantine, man. Ben Barry, Ben Barry, Love Island season two. Mm. You gotta watch it, man. You if you like Love Is Blind, your mind your mind is gonna be blown by Love Island. Trust me. So right, right. I'm for Iron Chef. So so fellas, like a bunch of my friends are starting to get married. Well, they met. They're married. They're getting married. They're having kids. I'm 33. It's not happening. Not crying about it. Not in a rush. I'm like, yo, maybe I need to settle down. I turn on Love is Blind at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, my life has not hit rock bottom yet. I'm not forced <laughs> reality TV. Oh, a lot better so than myself. <laughs> so you wouldn't do a show like 90 Day Fiance or anything like that? When Before I moved back to Philly last summer, Married at First Sight reached out to me to be on the show. Really? God's on the street. Wow. And I don't know what that says about me. They, they, 
They found me on Instagram. I don't know. I thought my IG was pretty fun. They saw those topless photos. They saw them thirst traps and were like, mm. no, I think, they, I think they saw it. It was like, yo, man, this pathetic smuck is single. Let's <laughs> up. So apparently I need to do something different with my social media, but they reached out. I wasn't doing that because I'm not becoming a laughing stock of my family. Uh, it's just, I'm not that desperate to get married. It'll happen in his own time. Exactly. And you are incredible. You're no smuck. You are talented. You are smart. And Bill, let me you say can, you can compare NBA players to rappers. Oh, thank you for the ego stroke. And, and Ben, like I said, if you're single or I don't know your situation, stay that way for as long as you can and just mess around. Oh, I no yeah. I no Be a single so amazing. I can do things my friends can't because they got to run it. Yeah. Make sure there's a babysitter or somebody. <laughs> wife got to be okay with it. I don't have to do anything like that. It's amazing. Did you know it? Old man game. Giving some wise words of wisdom <laughs> on the podcast. You guys heard it here first. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, any shout outs for this episode? Ben, you know, we usually do shout outs here. Anybody want to shout out there in the world? Hmm. Shout outs. Um, no, shout out to Lord for waking me up. Uh, shout out to my mom for raising me right, making sure I stay on that straight and narrow path, whatnot. Uh, no, shout out to my friends, uh, everyone that support me, uh, you guys for having me on. Thank you. Uh, Louise Cornetta, who gave me a job at the four letters that made sure I wasn't working security for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah, it was dark times. I didn't think this media thing was ever going to happen. Uh, Mike Gaddy for giving me an internship. Angelo Cataldi for saying I had talent. Shout out to them. Um, shout out, yo, everybody, anyone listening, yo, you know, any of my friends, family, you guys know what you mean to me. It's a, such a laundry list of people. Uh, but I want to say thank you, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. And yo, actually, shout out to Susan Watson. If you ever hear this, your boy is single. I don't know if y'all know who Susan Watson is. Okay. Uh, you can click Susan Watson. She is back to TV show. She plays Beth on This Is Us. I've been trying to get at her for years. I'm a new nice. guy, Yo, all right, Susan Watson, Issa Rae, Janelle Monae, and Tessa Thompson. I know I just name four of y'all at the same time, but your boy is single. Y'all want to go on a date? Twitter IG handle, I am Ben Barry. Get at me. I got to shoot my shot. <laughs> that, Yo, Issa Rae is... You and I you and I might have to fight over Issa Rae because I love her. I mean, well, I I'm her. twice your height, so I will win. Wait, you said Lisa Rae or what was it? Rae. From Insecure on HBO. Also a good show. I'll see somebody else. Okay. I can't, anyway, I can't even I, say the things I would do to them on this podcast. I mean, you probably can, but <laughs> you might get in trouble. <laughs> I don't really necessarily have a shout out. What? I have more of a call out. I got a, 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 I got a call out. I got a call out. Every single American person, because Ben, in case you don't know, we got a whole, we got hordes of people listening to us in India. Shout out to everybody listening on the Ghana app. Every single American listening to this podcast, vote, 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 vote. Um, I know there are certain states like here in Connecticut, the last day to register to vote, I believe is the 30th, but definitely Google the last day to register to vote. 
Google uh, when's the last day you can send in your mail-in ballot and or, or where you can go vote early or vote in person on the day of the election. Vote, 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 vote. Good shout-out. Good call-out. How about you, Gabe? I'm going to shout-out to uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. He won his final fight. Oh, yeah. Good shout Justin Gaethje. Um, he retired in the ring because, you know, his father died from COVID-19. Um, it was an emotional night for him. You know, he's undefeated. And, um, you know, he said his, he made a promise to his mom that he would not fight again without his father by his side. So, you know, he won his final match. He's off in the sunset. Um, the UFC, I think they moved him up as the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I know John Bones don't have an issue with that. I do, too. But nevertheless, you know, shout out to Habib for an amazing career. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was good, man. It was a really good fight, man. Good, good. Um, a little early, man, on Saturday, but nonetheless, it was it was yeah. awesome to see. Abu Dhabi. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and, you know, I almost pulled a game again this week and, and say, you know, I don't, I don't really have a shout out. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I just, I, I, I guess I gotta continue the train here and say, you know, shout out to shout out to the man, to Tom Brady, for showing that he can do things without Bill Belichick. So Ooh. I just want to get that narrative out the way. That's and uh, right I will leave it at that because I don't I don't want to you know step on anybody's toes because there's a situation. No, no, I do. Know, no, let, let me, let me, of... let me, let me look. Nah, see, look, see, Cam Newton was on a Superman once again when he beat the Dolphins. Like, oh, I'm back. See, Cam, you, you trash, bro. You trash. You can't do nothing with that ragtag of receivers that Bill Belichick is so cheap to you know upgrade. That's why Tom Brady left. They don't want to upgrade any skill players. So yeah, Cam, you know, you had your moments beating the Dolphins, whatever that's one. Good luck, sir. You might be best for Jared Stidham. All right, and uh, I guess we're going to have to end our show on that. Ben, thank you so much again for joining us here on the show. Wow. Podcast. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed, wow. Ben, between all the bickering of uh, Rodney wow. and uh, Wow. I had fun. I don't know what that was at the end. That seemed like some personal stuff uh, going on, but thanks for having me again. You can hear me on the Sixers Talk podcast uh, from NBC Sports Philadelphia. That's everywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram. I am Ben Better, Barry, letter I, letter M, Ben Barry. I am Ben Barry. Thanks for having me. I love what you guys are doing. You're going places. Well, except Robbie. We still have beef that she probably doesn't remember. <laughs> what? what do we have beef over? Yo, everybody got beef with me today. <laughs> We're going to have to do a special views from the baseline therapy session here. Real Tony Soprano style. Oh, I will be sign me up for that. <laughs> well, it's the first and not the last bit. And of course, you guys can find us at Baseline Times on Twitter, Instagram. Come holler at us. I'm on Twitter at Baseline Chevy. And Robbie, Gabe, where can the people find you at on the social media? At Robin Hood with an H and a Y on the gram and on the Twitter. I have now Gabe XL on both Twitter and Instagram, so it's easier to find me. Wow, congratulations. One thing yeah, he did right. I feel like I synchronized the two. 